of this, this conversation will be, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll talk about what life is like before, um, how it is that you met Jesus, and then what difference that's made to your life. But before we do that, why don't we give, could you give us a little snapshot of who you are right this second, what you're up to, who your kids are, so that we get, we get an idea of everything that's going on right in this second, and then we'll work our way back in, right into the depths of your past, and then we'll work our way forward again. How does that sound? So, uh, over to whoever would like to give the snapshot. Um, who we are now, we are saved sinners, <laughs> bumbling through life. Um, no, we are parents of four awesome children. Um, I am a director of LVA Trust. Jake has an awesome job that um, has been able to support me going after that job. <laughs> um, yeah, just yeah, trying to get through life with God. Amazing. Why don't you tell us really quickly, what's, what's LVA? Oh, sorry, yeah. So LVA is a, a charity that delivers relationship and sex education um, and does mentoring and, and small group stuff, uh, etc. It stands for Loved, Valued, Enable, because that's what we believe all young people are. And you're in a bunch of the schools around. Yeah, so we're, we're, at the, we're currently working with 15 schools um, after being in operation for nearly four years. Which God is good. That's God's favour is pretty awesome to be walking in. That's so, so yeah. cool. And and Jake, you you have a reputation of being able to get anything for anybody into. Is that right? Well, I, no, I didn't have I didn't have nothing to do with you getting your planning permission and all that. <laughs> I, was, I was I was just joking. <laughs> I know you didn't. I'm very grateful. Um, Jake, so why don't you tell me then? Uh, growing up, you were local to this area. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit of what it was like growing up, what your experience was, how many times you broke into this church, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I'm from around this area. Um, yeah, born, lived local. I've lived in several different parts of the Feltham area. Um, I come from a broken family. My father left when I was two. Uh, my mum done a great job bringing us up. She put good work ethic in me. Um, always made sure I went to school. School was good. I didn't mind schools, like infant school, junior school. It's just just a blur. And then you get into secondary school and you start knocking around with other people. And you know, life around this part, it, there wasn't really any hope. You know, you just go along and you cling on to what you can. And you know, I was given a sort of message: never do nothing for no one for nothing. You know, life always seemed half empty to me. Um, you know, glass, half-empty sort of guy. And, you know, you're just prodding along. And around this area, there's not, there's not a lot of giving. You know, you've got to be out and do it for yourself. And, you know, I just started off young. I started sort of smoking at a real young age. And just to be with the in crowd, I suppose, to, in a way, to belong to a group of people or whatever. So, I, yeah, I started on a sort of downward spiral um, like I said, I come from a broken family. My older brother got put into foster care when he was nine. Um, it still, it still baffles me how someone so young could sort of be written off, sort of by parents. And so now my, my brother's in a real bad way these days, um, which I believe is down to that sort of brokenness. Um, it, there was never no mention of God in our in our household. There was no talk of Christ. Uh, of, of course, we celebrated Christmas and. 
back in the day at school, I used to love the Jesus sing songs, mate. I used to love, but that's that's as far as it sort of went in in, in schools. That's, but other than that, there weren't no no God, and life was just sort of difficult. It was a struggle. It was an everyday thing. You didn't have no plans, and yeah, so life weren't too clever, really. Yeah. Sort of growing up. And you, did you get you were in a little bit of trouble, but not too much trouble, um, and and got yourself kind of. Involved in a little bit of the drug scene, is that right? Um, yeah, growing I, up. I mean, so about 11, I started smoking fags and what have you, and then you know, I started smoking puff by about the age of 12. Um, I had to Google what that was. What, puff? What, yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. And the first, the first <laughs> definition was the dictionary one, which was simply to breathe out. Um, <laughs> Hash, hash. Yeah. <laughs> smoking it was hash. the Urban Dictionary that helped me out, yeah. would you believe? <laughs> All right, so <laughs> started, started smoking hash um, about 12, 13. And secondary school, like I say, I, I didn't mind school. School was a DOS. I used to just go to school, do school, live. I used to meet my mate before school. We used to smoke L skins. That's when you stick an L paper together, was the paper? Big ones on the way to school. You saved me a Google for later. Yeah, we used to smoke on the way to school. I used to go and wake him up. His parents used to love me because I used to wake him up and get him up. And they thought I was getting him up to go to school. But really, I was getting him up because he was thieving off his parents to pay for our habit. So in the long run, they didn't really like me. But at first, they thought I was getting his son to come to school and all that. But we used to smoke on the way to school. Lunch times would come. We'd smoke at lunch times. School was, school was all right. I'd, I'd Done my GCSEs, I finished school. I only got expelled, well, suspended once throughout my whole school career. So I'm fairly a good boy. Because I, I, I was mentioning my brother earlier, he got kicked out of about five different schools. And he, yeah, it was he spent some time way. in Felton Young Offenders, didn't he? He spent time in Felton Young Offenders, Aylesbury Young Offenders, uh, Higher Down, Wandsworth Scrubs, all of them. And I visited him at every single one of them. And he used to get me to take him in puff hash. Um, when he was in the small prison, so I used to smuggle it in for him, and what I used to do is to chop it up, feed it round the top of socks, and when you got into the prison, the screws check it all, put it, no, I'm saying that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, sit, they, they, they seal it up, and they put it in a bag, and then... Hold on, once, I need to take some notes. Once, um. yeah, once, uh, <laughs> once it's in the bag, it's practically in, so I've got to walk past a dog, sniff a dogs and all that, but once it is, and that's it, and it's in. And I've done that at Felton a good few times. The only reason I stopped doing it is because I sort of planted it on my mother-in-law. And when she... Because <laughs> I can, I can, I can make it to the prison that day. And so I give her the socks already planted because they're, they're a bit damp. So she thought she was doing us a favour by chucking them in the tumble dryer before going. And it stunk her house out. And, um, yeah, she didn't go and visit my brother anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, the, the thing was, he was real annoyed because he didn't get his, get his smoke. Mm. So he was real annoyed. But then uh, when he went to Aylesbury, I used to take it into him. And yeah, it was just a long thing. But it really come to a halt when he was like in big man's prison and I was sending him heroin under a stamp. You like melt it down, put it under a stamp. And I was posting it to him. I, I didn't really like doing it, to be honest with you. Um, but it's like sort of peer pressure. had sort of a hold over me, you know, because yeah. he's... <coughs> He got put into foster care at such a young age, and I suppose I was like living a dream still. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you, he's look, gone you looked up to him as well. Yeah, didn't of you course. Too? He was he was like my idol. He was he was a quite healthy guy, uh, fit guy, and because he was a bit of a bad boy as well, you know, just 
That's, that's, that was the aim of life around here, to be a bad boy, a drug dealer. Mm. That's what your hopes were, your hopes and dreams was to be a big drug dealer making money and whatever. And uh, anyway, I got, I got arrested for that. A police come and arrested me at work uh, for supplier class A. Took me down. I thought it was for my mate. I was unloading the container and a meat wagon pulled up at work. And I said, oh, what have you done, bruv? And they come to the bottom of the container and arrested me. And I was devastated. Uh, I think he was pregnant with the second kid. He was pregnant with the second kid. <laughs> so impressed. <Yeah. laughs> and that was it. I thought I was going to prison. And uh, luckily, I just went no comment, got bail, um, and had to go back. Uh, and yeah, that was, I thought I was, I thought I was going to Nick, and I just told my brother about it, and he said, oh, that's all right, bruv. He said, I'll get myself arrested. We can ride the time together. Yeah, nice one, bro. That's, that's sweet. Uh, it's that awkward. Do we yeah, laugh at that one or do we not? Because he'd come out of prison and been back in yeah. while it's happening. It took him a long time to come and get me. So, yeah, that was, that weren't really, really good. Katie, so thanks, Jake. Why don't you tell us a little bit? What, growing up for you, what, what was life like? Were you in this local area? Um, no, I'm a North London girl, um, even though I've been in this area since I'm 13. It's just, you know. Hmm on those things um yeah so uh growing up my earliest memories are from when we lived in um paddington actually but my, my family are from north london um my my mum had me when she was 17 um and my dad i think left before i was one um not quite sure i'd never had any contact with him up until i was about 11 and it's let's say it's been sketchy ever since <laughs> um <clears throat> My mum my got used to drive buses when I was little, and I remember um, I used to sit behind her driving chair as she, as she was, used to race buses. But um, she met this, uh, she was friends with this other guy who was a bus driver, and he introduced her to a man who was in prison, his cousin. And she started to meet him in prison, um, and we used to go and visit him. I have a little scar under my chin where something fell on me in, the, in prison, I remember that. Um, and when he got out, um, they, they got together. This, this man um, is the father of um, four of my siblings. He was extremely abusive to my mum, very, very violent. Um, and we spent a lot of my younger childhood moving around um, quite a lot. We, we then moved to Fulham. He was still, by the time I'm about sort of eight, nine, we moved to Fulham and he was still around, um, but not as much and I just I remember one day he mum took him back again um, and <laughs> I, I watched him break my mum's nose in front of all of us oh. um, that was about the the age of nine and I, I remember going to go and call um, the police because by this time I had a con uh, like I had this I had a realization that I could actually do something about it because um, I always had a very maternal instinct over my <laughs> over my younger siblings obviously yeah. and um, <clears throat> I went to do that and he made my mum get out of bed. I thought she was ill at the time, but she was actually on a come down from crack, which I didn't know mm. at that age. Um, and he made her get out of the bed she was laying in with her bleeding nose and plead with me not to call the police because I would be taken away. And that was just one of, of many of those memories. Anyway, she did eventually get rid of him. And this during this time, mum was um, addicted to, to, to crack and our house was a crack house. And lots of people coming in and out um, not so many stories I would like to share so openly here but just yeah you can imagine 
Um, she then met this other guy who she went on to marry, um, and he's the father of my two youngest brothers, and he was very sort of emotionally abusive. Um, one of the memories I have is he wanted me to call him dad, um, and he, um, he was from Grenada, and I just felt a bit awkward about that. Um, all my siblings are mixed race, so my first stepdad, he was Jamaican, and um, when, when, he, he, when he met mum, she was down the social trying to get an extra payment uh, <laughs> from, from a now's no DWP, and um, he didn't know I existed. Um, so when he first met me, he was knocking on the door. I opened the door, and I, he was like, who are you? And I was like, well, who are you? Um, and he made it very clear that, not in direct words, but I had ruined the perfect family setup because of my skin colour. Um, he could have played daddy to, to my younger siblings, but it couldn't have been to me. Um, and it was, it was always, there was just something underlying. He was very emotionally abusive to my mum. They did go on to, to get married. Anyway, we moved to, to this area um, nearly 20 years ago now. Oh, my gosh, look at this image. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, and I was about 13 at the time. Um, my mum um, and, 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 and this guy, Phil, who she, who she went on to marry, they were really trying to be better. So she, she came off crack completely, um, and she, she was doing really well. He was in and out. He, he's what we would call a binger. Um, and so they, they met um, some people at church in Holy Trinity, Richmond, and, um, and they gave their life to Christ. And my mum's story is really quite awesome. She's, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman who has, you know, she, she opened the gates of God for us. Um, and I just really want to honor her by yeah. saying that, because if she, I, I don't know what would have happened if she hadn't given her life to Christ first. Um, so that happened around 20 years ago. Um, and then I, I was a horrid teenager, um, and I started doing some stuff from around the age of 13, so you know, crack, um, tried heroin, um, and all And those. met Jake. Yes, during all that time. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a joke, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's, let's move on to when you guys met, because um, that gives us a really... Um, well, just a clear image of what was going on for you growing up. Um, and so you met when you were... I was 15. Was I? You said you were 16. <laughs> <laughs> it's only just coming out now. And um, so what happened? You guys met, and why don't you describe kind of your relationship up until, well, let's save the part where you, where, you know, when you came to faith. But what, what was the beginnings of your relationship like? How quickly did you come quite committed to one another um, and how, how long did that last? Go for it. It's only sort of happened over the last week. <laughs> <laughs> now we um, start uh, growing up, like I say, I've uh, done a lot of drugs, selling a lot of drugs, taking a lot of drugs and I had, um, I had a bad car accident Well, I got hit by a car crossing the road, hence all the scars and all that and I'd just come out of hospital and I was already back doing drugs and all that, and I was at a mate's house, um, you know, having a few beers, done a couple of E's and whatever, and... Something else to Google. <laughs> come on, mate, come on, come on. Keep going. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I met Kaylee, and it weren't meant, to be, weren't meant to be nothing special, you know what I mean? I was a young, 
lab and all that. And I sort of want to bounce back because I was all right with the birds before my accident, so I was a bit... Ladies. <laughs> and I was a bit... So I was a bit knocked back because I've, I've got all these scars and all the rest of it. So Kaylee was like the first girl I got with since I got smashed up by this car. And I just met her at a mate's house and, you know, just wormed my way in there. Yeah. And uh, just been with you ever since. And then uh, uh, Grace came about. Gracie, yeah. Gracie came about. Uh, t tell me about that. Well, don't tell me the kind of... Don't <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, so Jake and I kind of just got together and it just kind of, it just kind of was. Mm. Um, and we were together for around... Uh, A month. <laughs> Shut up. A month. No, it was, it was, it was roughly, um, so January is when we uh, started to sort of go out with each other, and by the August I was pregnant. Um, so, yeah, and uh, I obviously, finding out I got pregnant, um, stopped doing all the major drugs. I was, sti I was still smoking weed and, and smoking hash, puff, slash, whatever. Um, <coughs> And, I, and I, I did throughout throughout my whole pregnancy. But so I, mum, mum kicked me out at this stage. Um, it was a bit of, um, I was kind of not really living at home most of the time anyway, running away, etc. cetera. Um, and I moved into a hostel mm. and it, yeah. And the, yeah. And I, I remember you saying in the uh, interview that I watched that uh, falling pregnant in your situation actually was a gateway into getting all sorts of support as well. So it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that it necessarily unraveled your life being a teenage mother. No, being a teenage mother for me, and obviously I, I don't advocate this for everyone, but she saved my life. Hmm. Uh, I genuine I genuinely believe that. Yeah, at, that at that stage we was at that, at that stage sort of build up to that we was doing a lot of coke and crack and heroin just started coming into the mix. Uh, for me via my brother, Katie was doing other bits and pieces. But I used to rock up there and I used to knock on my brother's door every night and get dropped off and he'd have the biggest bit of crack you'd imagine and just smoke it. I was sick of smoking it, but basically what would have happened, everyone I know from the past is either in prison, got nicked, but it's all down to crack and heroin. When I get, it starts off like good life, you get a big bit of crack, a little bit of heroin to take you down off the crack. And as, as time progresses, it weighs itself out. And then eventually there ain't no crack and it's just heroin. Yeah. And th that's no good for nobody. That's yeah. it's just, just too dependent. So we started getting right involved. So Kaylee getting up the duff sort of helped us out because she couldn't smoke it. So therefore I couldn't really smoke it um, occasionally. But I think Gracie was sort of our saving grace. Uh, and let's let's move on to the uh, um, kind of how Christianity, faith got on your radar. And I think it was you first, Katie, wasn't it? Where uh, <laughs> the story of your mum and so on. Why don't you tell us a little bit how faith got onto your radar and how it came to that point that you became a Christian or follower of Jesus? Yeah. So just fast forwarding um, to three kids later. <laughs> Um, we uh, were living in my auntie's house. Jake had um, we we were still we were still doing coke and things like that, um, trying to hide it from the children. But obviously, they do, you know, they see the behaviour even if they don't see what you're actually doing. Yeah. Um, and um, Jake was selling it, um, 
uh, and stuff like that. So we got, we, we were at my auntie's house and I just, I was at a point where I just really hated life and I hated um, our relationship um, and I just, I'd had enough. Mm. I just had enough. And my mum, again, asked me to go on an alpha course um, and this time she convinced me and my sisters to go on one at, at Holy Trinity. Um, on the first week of the alpha course, um, we were being kicked out of my auntie's house and actually in my mind I saw this as an opportunity to um, sort of end our relationship, if you like. Um, Jake moved in with his mum and I moved into a hostel, um, the first of seven that year. Um, and I just, I didn't want to be in that relationship anymore. I, I just had enough. Um, so fast forward um, a year of moving around in hostels, etc. We got housed where we are now. Um, Jake and I are kind of together but not together, weird situation. Um, and um, in the midst of that, I get pregnant with <laughs> Jakey. Um, and that was when I really decided that actually Jake was, was still um, taking coke and I just, I wasn't, I didn't want that, really didn't want that anymore. So I basically said that I wanted um, to end the relationship and we wanted to divorce. And that was when I was about five months pregnant with Jake. Um, we then had a family holiday booked. Uh, we already had a family holiday booked to the Isle of Wight and I wanted our children to have that last family holiday. So we went and before we went, um, a friend of mine, Ellie, prayed with me. Um, she was um, from the Riverbank Trust. Would um, you have called yourself a Christian by this stage or not? <coughs> Where were you in the... I, I, yes. I would have called myself a Christian um, at that stage. I was already baptized. Mm -hmm. um, so she prayed with me. Um, um, I can't remember the prayer, but I just know that God was working in it all. So during this holiday, I was still very angry. I just remember being angry yeah. um, and trying to, trying to mask it. Um, but one night we were sitting in the caravan. I love to tell this story. I don't cry so much telling it anymore, so you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I was just sitting there, and I just I looked up at, at Jake, and it was, I always say it's like a bit like a white dove moment, um, mm. where I looked up, and there was almost this like shining light over him, and and God God said to me, I am gonna give you the husband I made I made for you, and for the, I saw Jake as God made him to be, mm. and it's I can't explain it, it, it but it was just that was the the moment for me and I was like okay I'm going to listen to you I'm going to be obedient to you and I'm mm. going to try and make this work mm -hmm. um, fast forward two years later through um, <laughs> you know it wasn't a quick process but no. then Jake um, I weren't I weren't really involved with the Lord with Christ with anything to do with it but I was I was trying to better myself so I was going to NACA all the A's and it just weren't it just weren't doing it for me in in na and ca you look to sort of a higher power and the higher power they said oh the higher power can be anything can be that chair leg or whatever it just didn't really make a lot of sense i remember doing na's texting drug dealers while i'm in there it just weren't weren't happening so my sort of last knockings kaylee's old dear put to me um about trying a recovery course uh htb so I thought, yeah, okay, I'll go along to this. So I went along to this recovery course, and I knew it was Christian-based, but the first thing I went in there, this geezer said to me, he said, oh, we're, not, we're all about getting you clean. It's not all about Christianity. 
It's all about getting you clean, just getting off the drugs. Oh yeah, Christy, I went in there and by the sort of third, fourth time, they were all praying and I thought, oh, I, I didn't really want to get involved. So the first, the first recovery, because it was good, it was nice, but it didn't, it didn't do it for me. It went until the second one. I sort of started putting the effort in, and it's, it's a great course. And if you're having problems, I recommend giving it a go. Uh, it's a place where you can go, you get community uh, and prayer and that. So I used to go to church as well. I, I didn't really want to go to church. Um, but I went to church the first time. I used to wear a baseball cap all the time. It was about being cool and all the rest of it. And I used to wear a baseball cap all the time. And it's for the first time, like the first time I ever went in a church, I had some crazy woman tap me on the shoulder and say, I think God loves your children more than you do. I thought, who is this crazy woman? Uh, it was the vicar's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, like I say, I'm, I'm over the moon that God loves my kids more than I do because it, it's the truth and that. And so that, that was my first experience of church. And sort of around about the same time when I went to church, uh, they sent some young kid come up to me. He said, oh, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah. And it turns out it was the vicar's kid. He's like, I thought they're sending him to train on the new one. <laughs> Sending him to come and train on a new thing, he try and pull me over, and that. I started praying, speaking in tongues, and all the rest of it. This little young lad, I thought, oh, mate, I thought, I thought, what have I got myself into, mm. you know? But to be honest with you, that well, I've done, oh, I've missed a bit. I've done Alpha courses as well. I've done a few Alpha courses in between. They're great. If you ain't done one, do one. Got to promote it here, ain't I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crack on, do one. Um, Hold on, I'll, I'll give you that ten pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, that's where I'm over the moon. That is a church where, where my faith began, where my faith was formed. I didn't, I didn't really care for God. I didn't, life was hard, very difficult. And it's still hard. It's just mm. not so much now. Yeah. You know, we've got, we got a loving father. And it's always, you can always pray, support around you everywhere. And I never knew that. What I found in this church was love, real love. You know, and I'm from you don't you don't love no one. It's weak. You say, oh, I love you, I love you, man. It's, come on, mate. It's just weak. But I found there was real love, real sense, and a sense of belonging. And uh, yeah, I just found faith. I was at Focus one year. I went Focus. I weren't a full Christian yet. Um, I liked it. It was all right, but kept falling off and I had to answer to people. Uh, I used to answer to the, the curate there and he's all right geezer and I used to go and meet him and in the long run I started teaching him about the Bible and all that. So he started what off guy. well but yeah. he <laughs> weren't long before the apprentice become the master. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I went uh, so I went to focus. My first my first real touch of Jesus right was yeah. I was listening to Martin Smith and it was tuned like back to the start or something. And I just thought, oh, this is amazing. I had my arms in the air. And there was a big bright light. I thought, Jesus. <laughs> I opened my eyes. It was just the light on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it did have that effect. And that was, that was when I thought, you know, this is, this is it. This is, this is really it for me. This is real. Yeah. And you love times oh, of I worship. Love worship. I love worship. Not so much now. It was better at my old church. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm joking. I do love it. I love, I love worship. I think... That's where I can really connect, you know, with, with worship. Not a great lover of sermons. Obviously, I was in my old church. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. 
<laughs> He's on fire. Anyway, it's Kaylee. So <laughs> You've said enough now. Um, <laughs> so, it, and uh, what, it's, is there a point? I'd love to see, um, faith-wise, was there a moment where it, you kind of, you knew that God was real, God loved you? Because um, you spoke about how he spoke to you about, the, the, about Jake and how the marriage was going to be restored. Mm. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But was there a moment where you were like, oh, this is real? And what, what kind of happens? You know what? For, I know a lot, lots of people have a moment, and it's awesome. But for me, it was a journey of trust and obedience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obedience is one of my favorite words because it's so exciting. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a daily sort of, okay, I'm going to choose to trust that you're real. Yeah. Um, but there was a stage when I did have a moment. I was on a women's weekend away. And yes, I was a Christian, but I, was, I, I would identify as a Christian. But I don't know if I'd, you know, really made a commitment. And I was made to go and sit in a room with two other women who, in my eyes, were like proper holy. Um, and we had to listen to God for each other. And I was I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. Um, <laughs> this is just so awkward because they're all going to be like giving me loads of words of wisdom about how awesome, you know, God is and all the rest of it. And I've got to, you know, do that. And I was just like, oh. and then I had this um, picture of Africa <laughs> and um, a word uh, from the Bible that says God didn't come to heal um, the, the healthy, he came to heal the sick. Now, I hadn't recognized that I had read that in the Bible before um, just because I hadn't done a lot of Bible reading. And I, I kind of tentatively said it, and it turns out that one of these women were actually at a point in their life where they were choosing whether they were going to work for, for Tear Fund or not. And um, actually, it really spoke into her, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and that was kind of one, one of many moments. I can't say that there was like this moment. Oh, yeah. moment, but there yeah. were lots of little kind moments. Yeah. That's, how, that's the only way I can describe them as oh. kind moments from yeah. God, where he was just like, I'm here, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And I know that life is radically different. So you're at the point of Jake was handing over the divorce papers. It was all over. Then in 2009, if I'm right, is it 2009 that you had a, a re... Was that the reaffirmation? Relapse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's a 2009, let me have a look no, at my notes. No, so we got... 2000 and, <coughs> no, you 2000, got married in 2009. Yeah, we got married in a registry office in 2009, and then it was three years ago now we had our marriage blessed at Holy Trinity. That's right. But most special day. It was just the, to, to, to have our marriage blessed before God with our family in that church. Just, yeah. 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 Isn't that incredible? So your, your whole, everything has kind of, has been redeemed in, yeah. in by, by the Lord and how would you say that your life is different now because we still go through the ups and downs don't we like life is still hard parenting is not is, is sometimes easy and sometimes very difficult what difference then has God made since becoming a Christian uh, um, since I think <clears throat> I think about this quite a lot because it's really really easy to go into a pity pie of how hard life is because parenting is hard and there is damage that I'm going to openly say we've done to our children, not on purpose, but the reality is we're, we're breaking generational sin mm. right now. And, you know, our children are still going to feel some of the brunt of that, especially our older children. So I, I, I do get into a bit of a pity party sometimes, but I just, um, at, the, at the beginning of the year, I just thought, I've been thinking, what would life be like without God? I'd be a single mother. 
I'd probably be an alcoholic um, because that was where I was going during the Alpha Course time. I was drinking an awful lot. Close to it now. <laughs> yeah, close to it now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and my children, just the, the, the trouble that we go through now, could you imagine what it would be like without God? Mm. God has brought us stability. He's brought us family. He's given my children a, a father who they can look up to, um, a mother who's relatively sane most days. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they, they can look up to us. And I just, the, the impact that our faith has had on our children is, is amazing. Uh, I can't say that all of them will identify as really knowing Jesus in their hearts. But like, well, especially when my oldest goes through stuff, she'll come to me and we'll talk about it. And she'll recognize God in some aspects. And she'll ask me to pray for her. And I just, those, those little moments are awesome. And also, Jake praying with little Jake mm. um, at night, every night. What a beautiful thing to, to be able to, and that's what God has brought us. Um, so there's awesome stuff and miraculous stuff in between all that, but I think the most important thing for me is that he's just brought this peace mm. um, in the midst of our chaos, and I think that's, it's so beautiful. That's amazing. I know, like, hearing, I don't know, when you heard the kind of testimonies before of just, like, people talking about the church being like a family where God is the father and, you know, there's this sense of home and so on. I know that's what you experienced at um, Holy Trinity Richmond, particularly with um, Trevor and Vicar there. And, and I guess, what you know, in your experience of that, what would be, because you've, co- you've come here, you've, you've, dis- you've, you've, decided, you've taken a risk. This is like... The, you know, moving from Holy Trinity Richmond to here was a big deal. You tried to move to Richmond. I'm going to summarize all of this because I'm aware of time. So you, try, you tried very hard to move to Richmond multiple times, and the door just kept closing on you. Uh, and so in the end, you had a sense that the Lord was saying, well, maybe you're meant to be in this area, and maybe there's a reason for that. And I, I guess I'd love you to just, you know, in closing, what, what, why? What is it about you know, what have you learned about church? What can we learn here as church? What is it about Felton that, that you're feeling particularly kind of stirred up and passionate about? Because I really believe you're not just saved from something, are you saved for something, that God, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Um, so uh, just in closing, what, is, what, what, what would you say? I don't know. I think you need to speak this bit, so I don't even want to come. No, <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, not really. Um, <laughs> You do I, now? I, yeah, I do now. Now I know what it's like. But um, to, be, to be honest, I didn't have the vision and that. But I know I've got to support my wife. I'm from Feltham, so when she said to come back to Feltham, I didn't want to come back to Feltham. I'm just glad to get out of Feltham. But she said come back to Feltham. It's, it's all about growing the church. It's all about going out, getting people, bringing them to the faith, bringing them to God. And that's what I want to do. A couple of months ago, one of the best days of my life, I helped baptise a former drug dealer who I went nursery with. Mm. How, how great is that? That mm. was two months ago. He's a big fella, though. We had to top up. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was hard work getting him down. Come life. back out! But Come back! <laughs> ten years ago, I would never have dreamt. It wouldn't even cross my mind or anything like that. And he's felt and born and bred, but I was trying to get him out of Felton as well. I was trying to get him to Richmond, but we're going to try and get him to Felton. And... Yeah, I just it's great to be part of this uh, adventure, mm-hmm. I suppose, because you've got the passion, everyone here's got a passion to go out, and, you know, Felton really needs it. Felton, everywhere needs it, but I'm from here, it's 
it seems like a hopeless place where hopefully we can find hope. And hopefully I can get hope a few more times in this sentence. Yes. <laughs> You've done it. You've done it. Kaylee, any final words for us? No. Go for it. Um, or, or your answer <laughs> to that question as well. I just, um, so I, I came here to meet Andy very quickly. I came here to meet Andy on a work thing for, for LVA because um, we were moving to, to work schools in this area. And um, Ruth, I saw that you were, you put a picture of Christchurch. I thought, oh, okay, let me reach out to those guys. Um, so I did and I come here and I was like, oh, okay. And I met Andy and I, r I really loved his passion for, um, the, the, and the vision for Feltham and the church, the church in Feltham, which is us and every person who knows Jesus in Feltham. Um, and then Jake was on a men's weekend where I thought, oh, let me try one Sunday. So I came here one Sunday and God was like, by the way, this is where you're going to come. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and the journey grew from there. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, it, it's been a hard transition because actually we came from a really awesome church. They were wonderful. But Andy said something that was really striking to me one day. And it was just like, um, that's where you grew up. And, you know, now you're fleeing the nest. And I feel like now, now we're grown up Christians. <laughs> and we're going to serve in a different way. Um, and I think it was important for us to, the, the reason God brought us here is because we're now able to actually give back.